What's going on, savages? How we doing? Welcome to another episode of the Savage Snowflake Podcast with me, Jeff Leach. Papa, uh, your teacher, your diligent student, um, newfound lover of hiking. There's a lot of uh, names that I could go by, but just Jeff will do. Thank you very much for joining me for another episode. First of all, apologies for being distant and uh, devoid of content for the last couple of weeks. I've been in Vegas for the last week performing at Opium, a wonderful show at the Cosmopolitan. If you're in town, make sure and go check it out. It's, a, it's a, kind of like a vaudeville space circus extravaganza. Very much worth checking out. A lovely group of people, a wonderful cast. And uh, that's where I've been for the last week. And then prior to that, I was in New York City doing Stand Ups Anonymous. I don't know if you guys have finally checked out the Instagram page and all that. Um, a kind of uh, AA meets stand-up comedy experience. Uh, the 12 steps of laughter and a funny rather than 12 steps of stopping being a ridiculous fucking addict of alcohol or drugs. Uh, anyway, I'm back now and I'm sorry that I've been away for so long. Uh, first of all, thank you very much those of you who are supporting on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Savage Snowflake if you want to donate something as little as $1 a month if you're enjoying the content. And thank you very much to our sponsors today. You saw that video at the top there. That is of uh, a wonderful new video game called Big Drunk Satanic Massacre. It's a Russian indie developer. I played it on stream live last week. If you guys were around and you checked it out if not check me out on mixer and on youtube that's where i predominantly do that um and it's a wonderful game it's a sort of a top down almost pillars of eternity meets diablo first person shooter it's pretty fucking epic um and it's worth checking out big drunk satanic massacre is out right now on steam it's on switch it's on console as well so make sure to check them out i'm going to put all the links below here in the video or if you're listening to this on soundcloud itunes google play etc etc make sure you check out the description for a link to that wonderful game but thank you very much for sponsoring us we appreciate you ladies and gentlemen oh my guest today is comedian, writer, actor, musical comedian, serious musician, director. <laughs> You've pretty much done everything. We were just discussing how much of a renaissance man you are. Joe DeRosa. Hi. How are you, brother? Good. How are you, man? Thanks for having me. I'm good. I mean, like, we haven't just talked for 20 minutes. I know. I know you're good. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, yeah. But you don't know. We didn't, you know. That well, was, you sound good because you're, you're, that was you're all, leaving LA. That's always a good thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, but that was all, that was 20 minutes of superficial conversation. That's what every... That's what the first twenty minutes of every meetup is. Superficial. So you don't. I'm not saying it was bad, but it was that was intro talk, dude. Whatever. We didn't want. get I into. Mean, the, you can backtrack as much as you like, Joe. You basically <laughs> just said that our wonderful first meeting and those twenty minutes of what I felt was uh, could have been the start of a beautiful friendship was I, superficial to you. I think it is the start of a beautiful friendship. I'm saying we didn't have time to jump into the heavy shit yet. You've so done, I could be a disaster for all you know. Oh no, it's going to be great. <laughs> you've been highly recommended by a few friends of mine anyway. I know. Oh. You've I know you watch some of the videos. I mean, the majority of our listenership, you know, we've got about 51,000 unique listeners now. So they listen predominantly yeah. rather than watch. But you checked out some of the episodes. But I've had a number of different people go, oh, you know Joe DeRosa, yeah? You know oh. Joe DeRosa. And I'm like, no, I've never actually fucking met him. No. And upon reading your plethora of achievements over the... It feels like a sort of a 10-year period is when you really started to do some exceptional things in comedy. Thanks, and. Man. Uh, creatively thank you we have so much of an overlap of I feel like the things we love to do yeah the uh, the achievements are both varied and similar you right. know TV film uh, directing writing mm. music etc mm-hmm. etc et and then on top of that 
you seem to know everyone that I love in comedy and have worked with them. Who uh, who are our mutuals? Well, people that I respect and admire that you've done stuff with, like Bill Burr, yeah. Bobby Kelly, uh-huh. Bonnie McFarlane, Rich Voss. You know, this yeah. is this is a list. If I had to talk about my favorite New York comics, right, or Bostonian comics, right. they would all yeah. be on that <laughs> list. Yeah, you know? no, they're 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 four of the best out there, man. They're yeah, four of my closest friends. Yeah, so, not bad, not bad company to keep. No, no, they're uh, they're good people, uh, and they've they've uh, you know they were very kind and nurturing to me when I, well. They were they were mean and condescending when I first met them. As, well, that's, uh, that's, that's New all, York comedy, isn't yeah. it? Isn't that just New York comedy? Yeah, but over the years we became good friends, and they were very they've been very nurturing to me throughout my career, and very good friends. Bill Bill and I have particularly done a lot of stuff together. Well, you've written a book together. You've made a, a short film together. Yeah, you've yeah. Uh, done musical projects together. You have a podcast on ATC, right? Or no musical we, projects? No musical project, Sorry. but no, but yeah, but, but we did. We do have a podcast called Uninformed and. And that was a serious radio show at one point. And he, Bobby, and I made cheat to the movie together, and we wrote the book cheat together. And then, but Bill and I, I used to, I used to tour with Bill, and you used to co-host, um, you know what, dude, as well, didn't you? That was with Bobby. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, it's been we've done. There's been a lot over the years of content with those guys. So. I know. Um, I like the. Uh, I feel like Bill Burr's friendship list is is uh, again a, a, a sign of people that I would like to know more or be around more so like yourself uh josh adam myers i know he's very good friends with bill and yeah. he's, a, he's a, a dear friend who i respect and admire here me too um, yeah. maureen yeah. taron you know from uh yeah. true uh, tl what's it called true tv yeah um dear friend yeah she's a like uh, one of the best people in comedy she's one of the best people i've ever known oh uh, yeah <laughs> like she's truly uh, got a good heart you know she does. well she loves comedy first yeah so to yeah. find someone the thing that I've respected about her or what blows me, actually not even respect. Let's just talk about what blows me away in the industry is meeting a woman who is, you know, a, a head of talent at a big network and, 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 yeah. and actually goes to comedy clubs pretty much every night of the fucking week. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, hard to find these days. Yeah? I've known Maureen since I started and she knew, you know, she's known all those guys from the jump. Like, you know, they, they were around a, a, bit, a bit before I was. And, um, but they've, She's been through just every aspect of. Com- she truly embodies comedy. She's she used like to manage person. Bill, didn't she? At one point, I think they were very briefly. She was his manager, and then I don't. That I don't know. Yeah, but I know she did manage at one point. But but I mean, she just. I think Maureen worked at the Boston Comedy Club, which was a legendary New York comedy club. That I am very grateful. I got to spend a couple of years in before it went away. Um, but, uh, she's like a, yeah, she's like comedy. She's like walking comedy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She lives, you know? breathes and, uh, and, and sleeps, eats, etc. Yeah. And it's nice when you see somebody that's not on the talent side, uh, of the, uh, table that actually does treat their aspect of it like art and like, and, and they do care and they do love yeah. what it is they're doing. A lot of people on the, on the suit side of things or, you know, they they don't really think about all that stuff too what much. What they normally do is they wait for you to come up with a great concept, something funny, some kind of new idea, whether it be a show or a premise or a format or a podcast or a right. musical thing. And they go, oh, that's funny. And that's working online or whatever or in the clubs. And they take it and they fuck with it and yeah. they ruin it. And then they put it out there. Yeah, 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 <laughs> right? yeah. That's working. Let's ruin it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's It's... I don't know. I, I, I'm trying. It's one of the reasons I'm moving to New York. I've just taken. I'm not shitting on anybody 
for staying in L.A., and I'm not shitting on... When I say L.A., I mean specifically the Hollywood, the abstract idea of Hollywood. I, I don't... I don't hate L.A. as a city. Hashtag blessed, hashtag doing it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm, I'm talking about the industry of Hollywood. And um, it's it's just become less and less for me over the years. And it's not that I won't work within it, and it's not that I won't do anything uh, to be a part of it. Like, if, if the jobs come, then the jobs come, great. But my passion uh, or interest, I should say, in seeking it out has really dwindled <laughs> like for these reasons like I'm just where we live in an age where you can do so much stuff independently or at least on um, smaller platforms that are delivering content directly to the fans that want that content you know and even though Shutter is owned by AMC for instance the horror streaming service Shutter, uh it's a pretty fucking grassroots thing and mm. like you know so something like that that's delivering made for Shutter original content directly to horror fans that are paying $5 a month because that's what they want. It's like, why would you want to do, if you wanted to make a horror movie, for instance, why would you want to do it in any other way besides that? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, why would you fuck the Cineplex? If, look, if it works out that way, then great. But, like, why wouldn't you want it to just go right to the people who, who it's for? Yeah, you know? yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So it's like Eddie Murphy says in that Dolomite movie when they go, you're going to make a movie for for uh, five square blocks of people. And he goes, those five square blocks exist in every city in the country. And it's like, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. You know? I think as time goes on, um, I'm not going to remotely try and pretend like uh, mainstream success isn't something that is of interest to me. And, and bringing, not necessarily mainstream, maybe that's the wrong way to say it, uh, uh, a larger platform having a larger platform from which to spread comedy right or storytelling not sure. even comedy I, I love serious acting as well but um the idea of being able to have a bigger audience a bigger reach of course that's something i want of course yeah but the older i get at the ripe old age of 35 the the more i realize that i'd rather have ten thousand hardcore fans who love the shit i make than a million fans who like one movie I'm in and then never fucking think about me after that, it, you know? It, yeah, and it's, yeah, we're saying the same exact thing, you know? It's, and it's funny, man. I'm learning about you because I knew you from a distance. Yeah. Uh, I knew who you... I would see you on the monitors at the Comedy Cellar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they have all those, you know, the monitors from each room. Or oh, okay. So I, when you're in New York and you see me in Vegas I would somewhere. see... Yeah, I saw you in Vegas once. And then I saw you once performing at like... You know, you were downstairs performing and I saw you on the monitor. I was up at the table. And you came up briefly and I, I was going to say hi, but you like you moved out quickly. I didn't get it. You were yeah, I don't, you were I don't, on the move. I don't hang too much so, anymore around the table. Um. So, but anyway, I knew who you were from a. I knew what you looked like. Yeah. And um. And then I cut my hair, and then you didn't know anymore. Well, you did cut it, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. It was long. So I had this is what I'm getting at. My initial impression of you was very, um, you know, like like a like a Russell Brand type. I get that a lot. Yeah, you know, I used to get that a lot. That was one of the reasons for cutting the hair again, actually. I think I think I like you better with the short hair. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, but so, um, but that was the impression I got of you, and I was like, oh, this this is a like a sort of rock and rolly guy from England, and he's just say what you mean, Joey. Look at this irritating cunt in skinny jeans. No, That's no, 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 no. He's a bit <laughs> heroiny. I thought was a word that came yeah, a little heroin chic going yeah, on there. Yeah. yeah, but now that I'm in your house. And that so so in other words, the guy that I'm describing initially, the first impression guy, is the guy that wants the 
one movie that a million people see. Sure, sure, sure. Whatever. Now that I'm in your apartment and I'm looking around and I can't, it's you probably can't see it on the monitor, but I'm seeing your artwork, I'm seeing your toys, I'm seeing your video game stuff, your pillows with graphics. Oh yeah, I'm a geek. Yeah. Now I'm going. This guy's a fucking nerd. Dungeons and Dragons over there. Which yeah, I'm starting a new campaign. Yeah, and that's in like, about a week. And I don't mean that as an insult, but I'm no. like, oh, you're I'm not, a proud nerd. Yeah, you're not a Russell Bray guy. You're like a, but you're here's the thing. You're a true nerd. Yeah. This is not. This is not nerdiness is cool artwork. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah, fucking right. nerdy fucking yeah. artwork. So uh, it made so much sense to me that you just said that, where you're yeah. like, I'd rather have the 10,000 people because I'm like, no, that, that lines up with everything I'm seeing now. I think that's also business acumen. I know that if... Uh, I've been told this by a number of different people, but if you... Or over time, you know, people have made prophetic statements or mm. little one-liners. And I'm not talking about cheesy, inspirational, you know, hashtag comments... Uh, the most successful actors, comedians, writers, directors I see, they find their niche right. and work to be the best in that area. And then as a knock-on, if there's other opportunities that arise from that, great. They can do those. And if that gives them a bit more success in that area or this area, that's great. Right. But they really focus on like, what, who am I? And, and uh, I think it's only take, it's taken me 35 years. But in the last year, I've actually really started to embrace who I think I am. Okay. You know? Yeah. No, and I think it, well, I think most people do that at that age. Yeah. I don't think most people know who they are at 22. I think, you know, Dave Chappelle seems like a guy that had a good handle on it by like 19 or 20. Like he's been pretty consistently Dave Chappelle the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like, I think that's a real rare thing, you know? It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, I think people really look, it's one of the reasons I'm 42. So it's like, it's one of the reasons why I won't date, or at least I try not to date. And this is no offense to younger women, but it's just people in their 20s. It's like, I can't do it anymore. Yeah. Like, and not because, oh, I'm so enlightened and I'm so this and I'm so that. Something happens to you when you cross that boundary of 30. 30 is that first kind of, bell going off of like you tied out your I'm apartment. not a kid forever or, you know i'm not a kid you're, you're 30s the official i'm not a kid anymore i dated a girl in her 20s and she just couldn't wash her fucking feet before she came to my apartment yeah that was it she- <laughs> that was it mate honestly she was a yoga teacher and she danced at you know jumbo's clown room that fucking strip joint down yeah. there and she'd come in having walked around in sandals doing yoga classes all day with people and then dancing on that stage with fucking bare feet and being coming to shit and she just walk around and leave dirty footprints. And I'm like, That's a 30 year old woman doesn't do that. Yeah. But a 27 year old woman <laughs> does do that. That's a heavy three years. Yeah. And I yeah. was like, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta leave my house. But I'm, <laughs> look, here's the thing, dude, too. Like, I'm weary of anybody who's gonna say at 25, I've got it figured sure, out. Sure, sure. And there are people that do do that. And there are people that will, in their 30s, then go, I thought I did, I was wrong. The ones that go, no, I wasn't wrong, are most of the time are cunts. Yeah. They're most of the time, they're cunts. It's like you're still a selfish, shallow baby. You're out for yourself. You don't care about anything except what your immediate satisfaction is. Mm -hmm. You don't really care about the people around you. And uh, I think, I think, I don't know, most people, isn't that, that's the goal is to evolve through life and to grow. There you go. And to never be a fully formed entity. You have to go, well, actually, most I might be, as I get older, become more progressively comfortable with elements of myself. Yeah. I know that I have failure, failures of, sorry, um, failings in, within my personality that still need to be worked on. Yeah. I need to grow out of. And, um, you know, giving up the booze 
is yeah. one of those things. Right. Just going, I'm a better version of myself when I don't drink. So why would I keep doing that thing? Or right. Were you an everyday drinker? I was, yeah, yeah, and not in a not a wake up. I mean, I've I've had those highs and lows. So sure, been, there yeah. were periods where I did get up and open up the freezer and pull out the bottle of vodka, you know, a handle of vodka and fucking neck that. But then, yeah, because you just got to get even. I know, <laughs> just to take the edge off. Yeah, yeah. the fucking hangover. But yeah. uh, I haven't been like that for quite a while. But right. it was it was more a case of just it would be usual to come home, and uh, it was a crutch. A crutch because I wasn't ready yet to be strong in different ways. And that sounds very fucking LA and Ponzi. But, you know, if I'm feeling de- depressed, which as a, someone who suffers from depression, I do quite a lot, mm. that was the easiest way to escape those problems. Get shit faced, sit here on my own, drink half a bottle or a bottle of whiskey and fucking, and then pass out. And I go, well, at least for one night, I didn't really think about how depressed I was. Yeah. No, I, I look, I, 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 do, I do drink, and I, I, without a doubt, use it as self-medication sometimes. Right. Um, but, I, you know, my, my, not problem, but my issue, I, I don't know if issue is the right word, but the thing for me with it is, is I like to be social. I like to go out. Right. That excites me. And drinking is a great way to go out. You know, so Let me I pose this as a as a a question though. Sure. Do you, if you didn't drink in those same social situations where you like to go out, is uh, if you were sober, is the worry that you would realize the fun you think you're having on those nights out actually it's not that fun? Yes. Yeah. Hundred percent. Doug Stanhope has a joke about that on the I think it's on the beer hall putsch special. Okay. And he says, I feel sorry for all of you people that don't drink because you have to wait for fun to happen. Yeah. You have to like wait for and hope for it. And he's like, I don't have that problem. He's like, you know, and he talks about like this person waiting all month and saving their money to go see like a, you know, Billy Joel concert or something. Sure, sure, sure. And and all the pressure on that. And like, that's my night to be fun. and, And then, you know, and then what if it sucks and it doesn't, it all goes wrong, whatever. So I half agree with know, that and I half disagree because I think what what I'm suggesting is that you think you're having fun when you're a little shit faced amongst other people who are shit faced, but when when you take off the sheen of drunkenness, when you when you, if you're looking sure. at it with a sober eye, you see that after three four drinks, people start repeating themselves, being a bit fucking gregarious, miscommunications, oh, yeah. a little drama, a little bit more bleh, stupid decisions, and I want to get high. And be able to be crazy and as outgoing and as lunatic as I know that's inside of me sometimes. Mm -hmm. But doing it sober, which is the truly fearless way of doing that shit. Yeah, well. And that's hard. It's it's very hard. And the reason I don't do it is because nobody else is doing it. (laughs) That's fair. That's, that's that's always fair. been my argument with like the with the you know if you read like the you know the Alan Carr stuff you know about addiction and quitting and I've never read it. Well, Alan Carr, the comedian. No. Oh, okay. This, this is a man who wrote the it was called the something book of quitting or something or other. But he wrote a bunch of books about quitting. Okay. Addictions. Yeah. Um. And uh, he his biggest his most popular one was one about quitting smoking. And he eventually died of, I think, lung cancer because he had been a heavy smoker for so long. And that's why he ended up quitting and writing this book. Great long-term punchline. I like that. Yeah, right? Yeah. So, but he wrote, uh, he, you know, his thing with drinking was that whole thing, the big lie. Um, there you go. Yeah it's, yeah. it's not fun out there. It's, you know, it's, you look around, you're just sitting in a dark room and, you know, it's it's not amusing. It's not this. And it's like, well, that's easy to say when 
with with the assumption that everybody else will go on that journey with you <laughs> when nobody else see I'm a I'm a perpetual bachelor so like when when you're not doing that no longer dating in comedy right uh I try not to did that. I have with some oh, I, I, I many read that. times that's even in your Wikipedia it is your relationship with Nikki Glazer oh is that in my Wikipedia it's in there yeah. <laughs> Well, I think because it says in in the career, it's in your career part. Apparently, it's a career highlight. <laughs> well, we did a uh, you did well. You turned some of the experiences of your dating history into yeah. these kind of short comedy yeah um, pieces uh, for for YouTube, right? For, on, on, for online, was, yeah. For it was a, there was a uh, there was a um, I think they were called Bottle Rock something rocket i forget the name of the company but they were a part of that second youtube boom where everybody was going to create channels yeah 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 yeah. and i i got a deal with them to to do a dating a comedic scripted dating yeah. show about a bad relationship and it was supposed to be a series of first like, dates i'm in one <laughs> <laughs> well we weren't dating at the time okay and we didn't nikki and i dated it wasn't like we were for a year, it wasn't okay. Like, it wasn't madly in love. No, it wasn't. No, but we we did. It was it was very fun and and uh, but there were some crazy moments which we captured some of them. But um, there um, but overall it was very fun and very good. But uh, but anyway, this series was supposed to be about a series of first dates. Right. Okay. And I was going to base it all on bad first dates that I had. Um, and uh, and then a very similar series came out. Um. By and I'm blanking on his name, but he's a guy I know, and I see him all the time at UCB, and now I'm forgetting his name. But anyway, and it was his was very funny, and it kind of hit like as I was turning in the scripts for my show. So I said, "All right, I'm going to change this to be about a relationship where it's these two people should not be together, right? Uh, and I'll still use all these bad date scenarios, but it'll just be in this about one relationship, be, yeah. yeah, and." uh and I, Nikki was the first person I showed it to. And it was funny because we hadn't, it's an, it's a, it's an interesting story. We hadn't spoken for months. Not uh, post um, being together. It was not even post being, it was post like, it was, there was already post friendship from post dating from post. We just had, we had, and I don't think there was any reason. We just had kind of fallen out like and not so, talked. Sometimes when you stop fucking each other, you just go, oh, we don't need to hang out much anymore. But there was a friendship period, though. Oh, okay. That's what I'm saying. There, there was like a long friendship period, and then we, and then we had or, or long, it, uh, significant, and then we hadn't talked. And I remember we had this. I ran into her somewhere. I don't remember where. And she took the first step and was just like, you know, like we're not. Uh, I haven't seen you. Like, and we're not talking. There's some kind of weirdness in the air. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah, I know. I don't know what it is either. Like, or, you know, it was just one of those things. And um, and then we were like, let's be friends again. This is stupid. And, yeah, yeah, and yeah. the first thing we did, she came over to my house one day. It was the first time we hung out. And I said, I'm working on this. She's, what are you doing? I said, I'm working on this thing. And I showed her the script. And she's like, because she wanted to read one. There were three pages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she read it. And she's like, can I please do one of these? And I was like, well, better yet. Do you just want to play the girlfriend? Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, I was like, and I can say it's based on us. One of these is based on something that happened with us. And I, she thought that was this funny. This one where, where the woman's being a complete cunt. That's, <laughs> you remember that? Do you remember that? And then you didn't speak tried, again for another few months. Yeah. Until the, pay, until the paycheck. Yeah. Out, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, we had fun doing that, man. 
That was really fun. Well, I'm glad you could have that reconnection. It's very hard, especially once you've dated someone in your industry. I've only ever made that mistake um, a couple of times. Once it was catastrophic uh-huh. and the woman went out of her way to try and ruin my career in the UK. She t- I raised her child for a few years and she couldn't. She told me I couldn't even see her kid or anything. She's a, she's a real fucking scumbag. She's still really thriving and succeeding in comedy. So good luck to her. So you don't, but you're not going to say her name, right? I, I don't mind. Yeah, Catherine Ryan. She's a Canadian comedian in the UK. Catherine Ryan. Yeah, she's got oh, a Netflix special out and stuff. And she, she, the- she did that terrible show, The Fix, out here with Jimmy Carr that was a complete flop. So, you know. Jimmy Carr's like like talk show thing? That, yeah, it was him and her were the hosts of this show. Okay. It's called The Fix. I know Jimmy. I, don't, I never met Catherine. Yeah. A lot um, of the Canucks go to England. Yeah, a lot, a, lot of, a lot of Canadians love going to the yeah. UK because they, they Glenn have... Glenn Wall's a friend and like he's, you know, he's like... I met him. He was he was in England for like ten years when I met him. Dude, there's 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 a handful of incredibly successful Canadian comics. So I think that draws a lot of Canadian comics to to the UK anyway. Also, it's hard for Canadian comics I think to come to America and get the right paperwork. Mm-hmm. Even more so now. That's what Glenn told me. Yeah. So yeah. they're like, well, I can go to England because it's fucking Commonwealth, and I can get out there. And then on top of that, Brits are uh, in the same way that America. A lot of American audiences are Anglophiles and love a British. <laughs> they prefer it in acting. Comedy, less so, but, right. you know, they love a British actor. They love a Benedict Cumberbatch because they're all, they all watch Downton Abbey and fucking, right. you know, Sherlock Holmes. But in the same way, Brits love an American accent and yeah. they don't necessarily know the difference between an American and a Canadian accent. Right, right. So if you've got an American-sounding accent and you have the kind sensibilities that Canadians have, which is very British, you know, a little bit of, we're a bit polite and blah, 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 blah. Right. Um, they do very well out there. But yeah, that relationship was horrendous. But then... The, similar to you and Nikki, I dated very briefly um, uh, Jessie Mae Peluso. Oh, yeah. Who's a wonderful comedian and a wonderful too. person. She's great. And we did the same thing. Didn't speak for quite a while after uh-huh. we were no longer spending time together in that way. And then saw each other at a comedy show and we're like, I was like, hey, I really, uh, really miss laughing with you. you know? mm. And she was like, yeah, me too. And now we're cool. It's great. And so who knows? Maybe we'll write a thing one day. <laughs> Oh, you and Jesse. I think yeah. it meant you and me. Yeah, well, we'd have to date first, Joe. And then have a breakup. Sex would be magnificent. I can already tell. I think we're both a little dirty. I don't know who would be the top and who would be the bottom. We'd both be power bottoms. I was going to say, it'd be the first two-bottom relationship. Yeah. Neither neither one was to be the, the alpha. Dildo, just pushing back, looking at each other like, yeah, no, you do it. No, you do it. Just two lazy bottoms. Yeah. The uh... Just gently rub up against each other as we sleep. Be kind of magical. Yeah. The, uh, no, man, it's um, it, that's so through through you a little bit with that imagery, didn't I? Just a little bit. Uh, a little bit. You ran it through your head, and you're like, "That sounds all right." A little bit. It made me. Re- it reminded me of how single I am. <laughs> but that, but by sorry. the way, I'm going to talk to my girlfriend and see if it's cool if we just give it a once over, just a one try. We went way around the block. Uh, what I was going to say, which l- b- sparked the Nikki thing, sure. was I'm a perpetual bachelor, so it's like. It's when I'm not out, I'm home, and I get lonely. Okay, yeah, yeah. And I have my video games and my records and my movies and all my dumb shit that I collect and love so much, but... Human I, contact is an integral part of not yeah. being fucking mental. Yeah, and when you're single and you live alone, it's kind of hard to get that contact without putting a little booze into the mix and going out and smoking a few ciggies and, you know, like... Calling up an escort. I try to, you know, those days are behind me. <laughs> have you ever done that, though? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I did yeah. that before. I've I, done that before. I mean, year, years ago, and it wasn't frequent, but I have, 
I have, you know, dabbled in that in that area here and there. You and every other comedian. I mean, you were on the Opie, Opie and Anthony show back in the day, right? Yeah, and yeah. I know you're friends with Jimmy Norton, who loves a little, loves a little drive around. Just as long as there's a dick hiding under the skirt, <laughs> he's all about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, there was, you know, there was a time, but you know, all that stuff. Like you mentioned, dating a stripper earlier, and yeah. That stuff used to really in, intrigue and excite me. Me too. And yeah. then I was like, and then, and nothing against strippers. I would date a stripper again, but I was like, but then you date one and you, you see, you get to go behind the, you get to go behind the wall at Pirates of the Caribbean and you're like, oh, these are just, this is just magic. This isn't real, you know? And like all the illusion goes away and you know, it's like the first time you ever hook up with a porn star and yeah. you have it so built up in your head and then you, and then it's like anything else. You're like, oh, you're just a person. You just. There's you have problems just like I do. Sex with porn stars, I found a day two, and the sex was always. Uh, don't get me wrong, they, they had the capacity for adventure sex, right? But they seem to generally, at least the two girls I dated, prefer much more vanilla. Quite, they yeah, you know, they didn't really like. There was no like dressing up in sexy outfits and being very provocative. Yeah. You know, they were more like, hey, as soon as I'm off set, I like to be in a comfy pair of tracksuit bombs and a fucking big jumper that's got fucking stain on it from three years ago well and when you come home from the club you don't feel like being funny there you go right exactly. i come home and i take all the rings off you know all the russell brown brand although he doesn't even wear rings but anyway whatever i'll take I all the big mean, metal yeah. rings yeah. off and the skinny jeans and i like to get into these fucking track pants yeah and it feels good and so then, it's the same thing yeah and the last thing you want to do is talk about what happened you know who was at the comedy store tonight? Oh, fuck fucking off. the same cunts who are always there, yeah. waiting to be seen <laughs> by the fifty open micers hanging out the front of it, desperate for attention. That is the, by the way, the fifth variation of the word cunt that you've used. It's Love had it. a different definition every single time. It's impressive. You're an adorable cunt for saying so. That's six. That's six. There you go. <laughs> this morning, you know that coffee place we just went to to yeah. grab a coffee. Very I good, had by the breakfast. Way. Uh, I'm, I'm going to pass on the feedback. Uh, Yelp review them. Yeah, um, I will. Yeah, <laughs> I went there for breakfast with my lady this morning, and we were sat in the garden outside, just having a little bite to eat. And there was a couple here, and three guys over here, and another two people there. And there was someone just just riding the horn on the fucking street, very LA. And it was it went on for about five fucking minutes, right? And at some point, it just it was a big pause, and then another big horn. And I just went, "Oh, what a cunt!" And everyone laughed, and. One guy was like, one guy was like, that's the most perfect British accent. That's the most perfect. Uh, that is such a perfect fucking use of the word, mate. I love that. <laughs> and then this other couple, the lady and the guy there were like, she was, she was like, yeah, no, I love it too. They were all British. Everyone was English. And we were all celebrating the fact that finally someone's used cunt in the right way. And no one was offended. And my girlfriend was loving because she's dating a Brit and she used to date, a, 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 you know, a, another guy from the, you know, British, uh, yeah. from Britain. So, so it was like a wonderful moment. I, I love I that love, word. It's, it's, it's always been one of my favorite words. It's had a very different meaning over here, but you can still get in trouble for saying it here. Certainly on stage. Uh, yeah, I, I guess you. Yeah, I guess you can. I don't know. I don't know if it still has the weight. My friend, when I first started in comedy, my friend Chip that I started with relished in that word, and he would say it's the last taboo. It's the final taboo. Is the word cunt. Yeah. And um, you think and, that's gone now? I think you can. I mean, I don't know. There was that wave of time where people were saying the c word. Yeah. And I kind of think that passed. It, it got a little bit silly. It's like, guys, this was not a word used to enslave people. It doesn't sure. refer to a mental condition. It does, you know what I mean? Like, comes from the Latin cunus. Yeah. That means vulva. 
So it's actually more of a feminist construct than vagina is. Yeah, vagina means a sheath. Vagina in Latin means a sheath for a penis or a scabbard to go yeah. inside. Of. So if you've got a vagina, you're empty without a cock inside of you. Whereas if you have a cunt, you're a perfectly fully formed entity on your own. There you go. There you well, go. and I actually looked up the history of the word once myself. I didn't read that part. Yeah. But I read another interesting tidbit. Norse. It was a Norse. very commonly used term in the early late 1800s, early 1900s, and then it became um, uncouth uh, or or not classy to use words monosyllabic words. Yeah. So it went by the wayside because it was a monosyllabic word, and it was a word that just was used less for that reason. And then because it was used less, it kind of Got this taboo around. So it. all we need to do is really reform it into cuntity pumpity. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then people were like, "Well, now it's back on the menu." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. exactly. Madame, you are acting like such a cuntity pumpity right now. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. So we were talking about audiences before yeah. we started. Here's the so- no the snowflake stuff now. Well, yeah. I mean, is it snowflake stuff? Like, it, no, I was wondering when because I was like, I was looking at the clock not to see what time it was, but I was like, I, I want time to get into the the podcast stuff. Well, here's the thing though is that I don't. So I know I know that it's called Savage Snowflake, and the th- very early episodes I used to be. I've just seen your Frank Zappa tattoo. Very good. Thank you. Um, I I know there's um. It used to be quite political, this podcast, when I first started. And I realized I'm fucking tired, like most people, certainly in America, are mm-hmm. tired of politics and it being rammed down left, right. You know, it's sure. fanatics on both sides. But I am very deeply interested in um, what the role of comedy in modern day society is mm-hmm. anymore because a lot of the content that seems to be very popular, uh, certainly across social media, to me seems... Um, incredibly shallow, two-dimensional. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm always drawn to people who seem to be pushing the boundaries but not f- being offensive for the sake of it. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if there's... Is there even an audience who gives a shit about that anymore? Uh, who gives a shit about people pushing boundaries? Yeah, or, 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 or we used I'm- to be orators who would say the things that people thought that they would be too terrified to publicly say. So we say, we're the jester. Let me say this ridiculous thing, but then let's hopefully have an intelligent subtext that where I can explore the idea with you as an audience, and then hopefully there's some humor that comes out of that. I mean, first things first, what we do is not important. No. Is it? No. It's entertainment, and entertainment in in, the idea of entertainment in and of itself is, is is an important thing, meaning... You need a relief or, or some relief or you need to laugh or you therapy or a, a good yeah. cry, whatever the fuck it is. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you want to be entertained. So in that sense, I guess any type of entertainment is important. But as far as the difference it can make and all this fucking horseshit now about if you don't use your platform, all this Hannah Gatsby oh, yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. nonsense. And you know what? I was a big Hannah Gatsby defender um, because I didn't. I didn't care that she did a different type of thing. Sure. And I didn't care that some people considered it comedy. I, and, and I didn't care that other people didn't. I, I was just like, let her do her thing. Like, I don't give a fuck. I'm always like, you know, like I'm a big Star Wars fan. And I'm, an, I'm a prequels apologist. And I always say the same thing. What is wrong with there being more Star Wars? If you don't like it, don't watch it. Yeah, yeah. That's how I looked at Hannah Gatsby's special. If you don't like it, then don't watch it. It's not hurting anything. Sure. And I turned on my my taste about her turned when she started saying things like, "If you're not 
I'm paraphrasing, if you're not using your platform to make a message, then you're failing and uh, it's too important for me to stay, to keep working right now and I can't step. And once she got into all that horseshit and started kind of telling other people how they had to do their comedy when she pitched and her fans pitched a fucking fit when she was told how to do hers. Sure. That's when I was like, you know what? Fuck I'm, off, man. I'm, yeah, it's hypocritical. How, how dare you? She could be the loveliest person on earth. I have no idea. But um, uh, it's not a personal attack. It's just, it's just, it just that stance publicly about what it is we do to me is nonsensical. It's stupid. Well, this is what's, fr- you know, we are getting into the savage snowflake element. Good. This is what's um, lately is pushing me further and further towards a centrist view of society, not necessarily even politics. I'm so. I've now become so deeply frustrated with my own political camp, which would be right. the, the more liberal-minded, left-wing, democratic, you know, yeah. frame of mind, because we've always been, hey, we want everyone to be accepted and everyone to be fucking given a platform mm-hmm. and everyone should be able to do their own thing and that's okay as long as it's safe and it's not hurting anyone, let's do that. But if you're a fucking Republican, how dare you, you racist, cunt, you know, blah, blah. And I just don't think that... Is, crazy. is the right message you it's, have to be if you're gonna if you're gonna get mad at bill maher for his closed-minded stance on muslim people then you can also be the person that has a closed-minded stance against republicans there you go. yeah you don't get to do both yeah you you eat then that's the problem with everything well, you do but then we get to call you a cunt and then and then the defense to that is always yeah but i know what's right and what's wrong and and then and then then you're back into that gatsby territory sure. again of like i know what's good for you and it's like you know it's it's none of this fucking matters none of it matters it's stupid it's stupid all of this controversy about what can you say what can't you say what comedian is doing the right thing what comedian is doing the wrong thing which what is too far what is not too far what how do you define comedy is comedy changing you know is this too much these days how have the times all that bullshit all of it all of it is just a means for the fucking pigs in the media to continue cycling by 20 yeah 24 hour news cycle Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm And not everybody in the media is a pig, but I'm just speaking in generalities right now because I'm I shouldn't do what I say to not do, which is to mark you know, I'm not trying to generalize your group. Generalizations about an entire group, uh, but, but I'm talking about the out. When the we're me- talking about BuzzFeed, it does apply. <laughs> is that fair? Uh, fair enough. Yeah. So it's like I'm so I'm talking about the media outlets that do do this ex- exploit corporate media, corporate news, um, and so it's that's the one thing, and then the other thing is the distraction. It's a tool of distraction. It's a thing to keep people... It's divide and conquer. It keeps you arguing. It keeps you at each other's throats so they can do what they need to do to keep the things running the way they need. George Carlin is a great bit. Um, the rich... Uh, here's the way the upper class works in this country. The upper 10% or whatever it is keep us below them all fighting amongst themselves ourselves so that we're distracted enough so they can keep running off with all the fucking money. And that is true. That is what this is, and this is all. That's, this- been, that's been going on since time immemorial. Like yeah. That's a, you know, yeah. There's, there's never from the from the first instance of organized governance, and that's why I'm, I have such a problem with um, theology as well. Mm-hmm. The organized religion, theology itself, I, I can see tenets right. of that that work, um, but organized religion, organized governance, 
That's always been the case. How do I keep these people subservient? Right. Well, we get on with doing all our shady shit and we keep them caught up with the, the drama or the fucking, whether it's a, a, a you know, a TV show or everyone's arguing or, or uh, you know. I mean, when I, well, when I see people passing policies with this fucking Senate, whilst going, hey, this fucking thing happened in the media. Isn't that crazy? So, right, so yeah. fucking... It's like, oh, come on. How fucking blind are you people? You know? Well, and I mean, that's the thing too. It's, 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 you could apply what you just said um, to, to comedy. To me, comedy should be an abstract idea like theology. Right. There are some nice tenets in there. Spirituality is a nice idea. Therapy of laughter and... All that yeah, stuff. Yeah. Once you start to taken into fundamentalist perspectives, then you're into that self-righteous horseshit thing again, yeah. where this is a sin, that's not a sin, this is moral, that's immoral, this yeah. is ethical, that is not ethical. And you can't, we all know what basic morals and ethics are, but when it comes to art and you start trying to define what that is, you can't do it. I've had people at my shows get offended because they love Trump. I've had people at my shows get offended because they love Hillary. I've people at my shows get offended because they hate guns. I've had people at my shows get offended because they love guns. Yeah, don't upset those ones. It's, yeah, <laughs> you know. Because <laughs> they got glove compartments as well. Yeah, yeah. And you don't want to walk across yeah, that fucking that's car park, scary, I would right? say. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Be nice to the NRA ones, just, just for your own self-preservation. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, man, it's just like, it's like everybody's got their line. So it's like, you know, it always kills me when somebody says, well, you know, if you make a joke about uh, women or gay people or or a racial joke or whatever the fuck mm-hmm, it is, mm-hmm. and you know, they go, that's, that, that's, that's hurtful to people and that crosses the boundaries of, of good taste and, and also it's, it's a dangerous way to speak. And here's the thing, okay... You don't think a Christian is going to try to apply that same logic to your jokes about abortion, for Absolutely. instance? Absolutely. They, they in their heads think you're murdering a baby. Absolutely. They, you don't think they think that that's wildly dangerous? No. So there shouldn't, it's, it's all wildly okay. necessary in my life. Though. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? Let it live? It's just crazy, isn't it? <laughs> Thank and, God for flights of stairs, am I right? And by the way, if anybody wants to get upset with me, I'm, a, I'm a personally a pro choice uh person who is adopted if you know i, I should be pro-life uh, because i could have been splatted into a can yeah uh but uh I thank believe- god your mom didn't have uh your biological mother at least didn't have like you know whatever the few hundred bucks she needed yeah thank god her. thank god she was poor thank she god for poverty so, am i right yeah she was such a dirty whore she didn't have any money thank you do you know your biological god. parents no i never looked never looked into it mm. um have you done a 23 and me type thing have you tried to yeah, I did a couple of them what have you got What's going on? Mostly Middle Eastern. Oh, yeah? 20% African. 80% Middle Eastern. 20% African? Yeah. Uh, like uh, I got 0.2% <coughs> Sudanese African. Eastern and Northern. Okay. So like, you know, sort of the uh, swarthy part, and then it'll maybe a little like 10% blackish. Wow. So I should be on blackish. You should be on blackish. <laughs> blackish-ish. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you could be on mixed-ish. Yeah. That's yeah. a new one. Yeah, I guess I actually could at this point. That's always fun, isn't it? Yeah. Watching a show get recycled just with a different title yeah. three times. I'm waiting for funny-ish. Crone-ish. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, uh, no, they've already got three of those. <laughs> <laughs> they've already made three. But, uh, I mean, I'm just, uh, 
yeah, and, and by the way, another yet another one of my brilliant career turns, I chose to not exploit my ethnicity and mm-hmm. get all kinds of shit and get ahead because of it. I know what I need to do if I want to be successful in this country in comedy, which is write... Well, not be successful in comedy. Let me rephrase that. If I want a TV show, is write the story of a British comic immigrant coming to America. That's the only way. That's the only way. Because I get, I, look, if you're predominantly Middle Eastern mm-hmm. and 20% African, but I guarantee as soon as you walk on stage, people go, ah, straight white dude. Oh, I get it all the time. And there's nothing more satisfying than when I get to say, I love to suck cock. Yeah, I, get, I love to suck cock, <laughs> but not white cock. Because I'm Middle Eastern. The blackest of cops. <laughs> no, Middle Eastern. I stick with my own. You're like Jesus black. You're like Jesus black. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, it's like, yeah, it's like, uh, that's a very satisfying thing when I'll get it. I've been into many Twitter arguments where they'll say, coming from a straight white male, and I'll go, not actually not a straight white male. Hate to break it to you. Yeah. And then I'll go, so how do you feel now that you've been racist? Yeah, you know, and then they go, "Well, it's and this is what these fucking Doesn't people count, do." Man, yeah. yeah, no, oh, that's not racist. Give me a break. You know what I mean? No, no, fuck you. Play by your own rules. Based by your sensibilities, you are now profiling me and being racist. And yeah, also, yeah, and yeah, also, yeah. when I'm saying, "Yeah, racist," I'm not offended. I don't give a fuck if you call me a towelhead mm-hmm. or a camel jock. Call me whatever the fuck. I don't give well, a. That's fuck. actually gonna be the title of the episode: Towelhead Camel Jockey. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> It's a good title, actually. I can see that definitely having monetization on YouTube. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. well, it'll get hits. I'll tell you that. Yeah. The, uh, but honestly, I don't care about that stuff. I, I'm just and, and and that's my that's my journey. If you do care about it, then that's fine for you. But you know, it's like, look, Andrew Yang didn't get mad at Shane Gillis. Uh, you know, it's like some people just don't get that shaken up by this shit, even if it directly applies to them sometimes. You what know? do you think about that whole situation with Shane Gillis? I mean, I just I love did a show with him in New York a yeah. couple of weeks ago, and uh, he seems to be doing all right, but I know it's it, I know it's draining on him. Like, he's finding it a little draining, I think. Yeah, I think, I think it's... I, I can't imagine it wouldn't be. And mm. I think it... I can't speak for Shane, but... I think probably that my assumption would be that that first week or two was after, as it happened, the were biggest the, job of your life were the breezy two weeks because it's like, yeah, fuck it. You know, that's when you can kind of do the whole, like, I didn't, I don't know if I wanted that anyway. And I didn't, you know, that's the motions you usually go through. It's usually a month later when it starts to settle. I, when I got booted from a CBS sitcom, not for saying anything bad. They just cut the character. And it was two weeks before the first table read. So I watched 10 episodes of a multicam sitcom go out the window in five minutes. Money I was really looking forward to and counting on that I needed. Um, and they dumped me in the in the cruelest way possible. They sent the showrunner uh, and creator, who was one of my best friends, to my house to tell me. Nobody from CBS called me. They did it at the... It was really shitty, the way they did it. And um, anyway... That, but that's how I got cut out of a sitcom. And that day, I was talking to my manager, and she's, you're in shock. She's like, you're taking this very well. And I was like, what are you going to do? Hasn't settled in yet, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a death. So, But then a month later, I'm, I'm this fucking town. God, fucking. <laughs> you and now know? you like, really are an angry Middle Easterner. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, you know. This bloody town is fucking dead. <laughs> that's it. 
That's how you have to start. That sounded like a man from driving the lift, just really fucking going for it. No turn signals yeah. ever. Yeah, none, none, none. The uh, so yeah, I mean it's it's, but anyway, I the whole situation to speak to. I love Shane. It's unfortunate, man. I know the guy's not racist at all. I know he was doing like a funny caricature of of what a racist guy would say, uh, or or and he was parodying. You know, he was doing a character. He was. Being, I haven't even gone into it enough to listen to the contextual. I know he wasn't being outline of it. Or I, I knew he was being ridiculous. I knew. Right, okay. I know him well enough to know he was being ridiculous. He was being extreme. Yeah. And that's a thing you do a lot of the time, especially on podcasts. Sure. And all these fucking idiots that keep saying it's different on a podcast. No, it's not. It's different to some people on a podcast. It's different a little bit to me on a podcast because podcasts came out 15 years into my career. Yeah. They were a new thing I had to understand, just like morning radio or whatever else. You're talking about a kid where podcasts went hand in hand with his first open mic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is completely synonymous with comedy. For, for a, this generation of comics. Yeah. Stop acting like it's so crazy that there isn't a group of people sitting in the room and it's that different of a thing. And also that over the course of a one-hour piece of material, or half hour, whatever the format length is, that you can't have different shades of how much of it is you, how much of it is gross exaggeration for comedy purpose. And the joke I keep referencing, or keep not keep, but we, it's not like I'm talking about this every day, but the joke I at the time when I would argue the point with somebody who who thought that he should have been fired uh, was I would I was always I would always quote that joke from Anchorman because they would go well there was no punchline in what he said it was just it was just absurd and I go yeah sometimes that's the joke there's the scene in Anchorman where they're walking and littering littering as they walk and Ron, and Ron Burgundy goes why don't we lay off the new gal and Champ goes you sound like a gay. It's like, that's not a punchline. Yeah. That's just something an obnoxious asshole would say who's and that's homophobic. that's it's funny to yeah. laugh at him and be like, oh, what an asshole. Yeah. It's irony. And it's like, I, somewhere around three years ago, we went, we turned on a dime from way too much irony where people thought that's all you needed ever. For there were there was no such thing as jokes anymore in movies. It was literally just irony. It was sure. like, put on a mustache and a wig. That's enough. Uh, you know what I mean? And yeah. then it was literally overnight. Zero irony ever, 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 ever. Yeah. And in, by the way, in uh, uh, in every joke in this scene that you make in this movie, if you could turn to camera and say, just kidding, just kidding, and then go back into your character and do your th- and then just just keep telling them that you're kidding. They need to know it's a joke. It's just... This, these, and this is this is all part of this shit we were talking about. It's just one extreme to the next. It's a fucking distraction. It's a news cycle. That's all it is. It's stupid. What do you think that means uh, for comedy? What does that mean for the next, let's say, like, let's look at the next five years of comedy. What do you think we're going to see happen then? I, I, no, I don't think it means anything. No, you don't no, think it's going to not it's trying to be, further that, that way? And that I think the squares will continue to be squares. These church moms are always going to be church moms. These soccer dads are always going to be soccer dads. They're not, it's never going to change. If you're somebody with... Just like if you have it in your fucking wiring to find a way to become a Nazi. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whatever leads you to that point... Whatever. Wow, their fashion's really snappy. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Oh my god, now I'm killing Jews. Yeah, that's like what kills me is like somebody will be like, you know, it's like, dude, if a Nazi yoga studio opens across the street from here, it's like the people going into that are not going, 
Not they're not walking by going Nazi. That's I mean it would definitely be a Bikram one, right? A what? Bikram. Hot yoga. Oh yeah. You think so? I mean Nazis were sort of known for hot rooms. Right, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh shit. Man, that's sorry. a good joke. I really fucked. I'm that's sorry. Fine, that's okay. That was a great bit. I'm that's sorry. Right. Don't worry. Someone's going to cut that out of context yeah. at some point and be like, Nazi apologizer, Jeff Lee yeah. said. So you're getting escorted out of a Halloween party on yeah. Thursday. Yeah, yep. see, like, get out of here. Just see this. That's, that's my CBS sitcom out the window. But, you know, it's like if somebody walks by that on the street and wants to join, they're not, that's not a person walking by going, you know, I never thought, I thought I might give Nazism a try. That's, this this is, they were headed in that way. Somebody who murders nine times out of ten, it was happening, man. Yeah. It was going to happen one way or the other. Yeah. And it's the same thing with these people that whine and fucking complain about everything and get tight ass. It's like, you're wired to write letters. If it wasn't Twitter right now, it would have been Facebook. If it wasn't Facebook, it would have been MySpace. If it wasn't MySpace, it would have been blogs. If it wasn't uh, newspaper articles, yeah, blah, 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 it just keeps going back. And then it goes all the way back to people just whinging in the pub or in their local yeah. bar. You're the you're the you're the mom that sits home. And I, the reason I say mom is because the people that did this the most in the '80s, which is really the period I'm referring to, were, were housewives. Housewives, hmm. and they would get offended by something they saw on TV, like or a rap record. Well, the irony being, you know? I don't think that's changed much today. Y- really. Uh, the so they they did a, a, a study of social media habits. Uh-huh. Um, I, I would I feel bad about not bringing up the exact reference or the exact study who it was conducted by, but some university looked into the or sorry college um, looked into the the uh, hashtag habits on social media and reduced it back to who are most of these uh, virtue signaling or ally or uh, various social movement hashtags uh, attributed to. And it was something like 76% was started by college educated. So, you know, middle class to upper class, reasonably well off, privileged white women, young white women Mm -hmm. um, from the age of 21 to 36, I think it was. And that's who it is. Well, I've just seen uh, this morning I had a I had a chat like my so my girlfriend is Jamaican Puerto Rican and from the Bronx and worked very fucking hard to be successful. And, you know. She she's not she wasn't like the poorest of the poor, but she grew up in the fucking hood and worked herself yeah, yeah. up and blah 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 blah. Sure. I can't ever not that I, I'm having any interest anyway because I'm madly in love with her, but I can't ever imagine myself dating a white woman in today's social climate anyway, because I feel very personally uh, attacked by more so by white college educated women. You're a white straight man. What do you fucking know? Or you're well, primitive, bro. Then I do people of color, um, my gay friends, uh, 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 women of any other ethnicity. Well, just, yeah. just like, just like on, a- just like how on average you could say a lot of white guys do this, right? Hmm. And a lot of, and there were negative things. Obviously, sure. yeah. You can now say that about white women too. You know, well, it, my, my gripe would be the fact that of all the groups, don't get me wrong. I understand men have been dominant sure. over women. I understand misogyny totally. is real. The patriarchy is a real thing. Totally, but there's but when it turns into condescension against any man that fits a description to you, it's really gross. And that's what men did to women, and that it was gross when they did it exactly. too. Exactly. But what's frustrating is that the one group who has always, for the most part, been reasonably well protected by those dominant white men are wealthy. White women, like they, well, they weren't complaining when we went off to fucking war, you know. And, 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 like no one was going like, "Honey, I'm there with you." 
that wasn't happening. And when the fucking slave owners were, you know, treating human beings like fucking commodities, the mistress of the house wasn't going to the master of the house. We should really release these black folks. Right, you know, right, right. she like that's where my fucking annoyance comes. It happened this morning. Sure. I got up at seven forty-five to go and move my girlfriend's car. She went to get a car, and I found a space on my street, which is very hard to park on. And I stood in the space, and I had to wait for ten minutes because there was traffic, and she was trying to turn around. Fucking LA traffic in the morning, and this white girl pulled up in a fancy Range Rover Jeep thing, whatever. And she's like, she's like, looked, she just looked at me and she was like, give me a like a, hmm, hello. And I was, and I said, I said, oh, sorry, my girlfriend's just getting a car. I'm just saving the thing. And she was, she was like, and she went, what? And I was like, I'm saving the space. So that's why I'm studying. I'm just saving this space. Sorry. And she was like, oh my God. And then zoomed up the fucking street and almost crashed into a car pulling out of a thing. And I was well, like, you privileged cunt. I will say this. Fuck you. I'm on her side with that one. <laughs> if I saw you saving a space, I would it would it would set me fucking sideways. Are you serious? If I was looking for a parking cuz she might have been late for work or some shit. But 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 back to what you were saying. This is the 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 point I would like to I hear yeah. you. You're making a, a very interesting You understand what I'm saying? It's, of it's, course, it's that of course. frustration of like that like come on, you it's, should give me everything. I'm like, yo, fuck. This I, doesn't happen anymore, bitch. This is not how it works. I grew up. This is the way I look at it. It's not about. I mean, there's there are racial histories in this in this country, obviously, and there are painful ones. And so it's hard to say it's not about white or black. But I I, I I realize that it is to some extent. But I also think, on large part, the the way I try to boil it down is to it's about privilege versus not privilege. Right. And it just so happens that in this country, the group that has experienced the most privilege are white people. So. Well, I can I can hang around plenty of white women and plenty of white men, but if they're privileged cunts, I don't want anything to do sure. with them. You know what I mean? Irris- I- even irrespective of their skin color, anyone who's privileged and acts like a, right. you know, like the world should revolve around them. Well, and the difference tends to be when somebody that is not white get finds success in this country. Sometimes, depending on what their background is. They have a they have less of a tendency to start acting like that because they understand a little more of a struggle that that relates more closely to who they who sure. they are where they come from and all that stuff. But like, and yeah, also they sort I mean, of know how quickly that can get snatched away from them, so they're a little sure. more grateful for that success and yeah. that opportunity. Yeah. So I mean, I you know I grew up in a middle class suburb, and my family I would say was probably lower middle class. We were very paycheck to paycheck, a lot of debt. Excuse me. Tight Christmases and all that bullshit. Yeah. You know, you're Middle Eastern, so you're like Aladdin running around stealing yeah. apples from disgusting. Stores. Yeah, no, yeah, people spitting at me. <laughs> yeah, uh, nobody knew I was Middle Eastern. I never told anybody. Yeah. I swear to God, that's true. Really? Yeah, I never. This is t- the first time. Right now, yeah. This is it. <laughs> I didn't tell anybody until I was. You're welcome, Internet. Tw- you're welcome. Twenty years old. Really? No, no. I'm sorry. Seventeen. How did you? What was your coming out? I knew, but my mom was full-on worried terrorist about me. Scarf, yeah, full just, on ter- Yeah, I can't. I miss a lot. <laughs> just fucking yeah, into yeah. school with a big backpack. See, there you go. That's the kind of joke that could get me. Clearly, a no, fucking that wasn't that bad. no. But you know what? This day and age, that's but the kind of thing. But you're making it to will. a Middle Eastern person who's not mad. Okay, so who so cares? you've pardoned it. Yeah, you're not sitting in a room alone saying. <laughs> dead-eyed into a monitor to the rest of this David is how Duke every, and his friends yeah, yeah like yeah, yeah. hey guys am I right those fucking ties bros <laughs> yeah you're not like saying it you know like uh like it's a fact yeah, uh, no. the, but anyway the um my point is is uh 
Oh, I, I, just short thing. I, I never told anybody because my mom was, you know, we lived in a very sort of closed-minded area, and I, I, you know, I love where I grew up, but it was very one thing. It was Irish, Italian, Irish, Roman, Polish, Catholic. Right. That was it. There were no yeah, Jewish yeah. people. There were no black people. There was no Asian. Nothing. Sure. And uh, so my mom was like, you know, she was scared because she was so protective of me because I was adopted. She couldn't have kids. She had this already had this over you know, smothering thing. Of course, yeah. And then was like, don't tell anybody because I'm scared. And so I never told anybody until I was 17. Um, and then, but then when it was time, I taped I taped candles to my chest and, you know. Nice. Like you said, uh, whatever horrible racist thing you just said. <laughs> uh, but Thanks, um, Joe. No, I'm kidding. Um, but I don't know, man. I guess, you know, I know we got to go, but it's like, I know. And, and privilege, not- privilege is privilege. And, and, it's unfortunate right now that the that privileged people uh, are saying things. I mean, because here's the thing. Back to all these people we've been talking about this whole time. Every person who gets out there and starts talking self-righteously with the air of, I'm telling you what's what. Mm-hmm. They're all, it's the, their, their self-indulgence, their self-interest is, it is so painfully obvious. Sure. And... They're as inconsiderate of how other people feel or what other people have been through as the people they're complaining about are. Mm-hmm. And they're complaining about the right people a lot of the time. A lot of the time they'll say, you know, this this guy did this and it was fucked up. And it's like, you know what? That was fucked up. But now you're kind of going down this road where now you're saying, well, I'm now in You're the, making this situation about you. Yeah, I'm and, the vessel. And it's like, well, that's fucked up. That's why virtue signaling has always been a little bit problematic for me. Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah. it's 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 never really about changing a situation. Yeah, and that's another reason to be frustrated with my own liberal left wing camp because I feel like people get upset and will retweet a hashtag for a week, and then they move on to the next fucking popular thing, and they never really see something through. They never make change, and they don't care that they've shattered people's. I mean, fuck. You know, everybody just goes, "Oh, so he lost some money, big deal," or 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 he lost a job, big deal, or or now he can't appear at this thing, big yeah. deal. It's like. You have any idea the fucking emotional shattering this does to somebody? Yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying that people don't do that in other ways to other people. I'm not saying that's not possible. But can we all take a breath for a second and stop acting like there are only one or two ways to give PTSD to somebody in this sure, fucking sure, sure, country? Sure. There are a lot of ways to really damage somebody like that permanently. You know, and it's like the people that are still going on about Louis. It's like okay. I get it, guys. If you think it's unforgivable, fine. But it's like, what do you want this guy to do? Kill himself? Yeah. Like, is that... Don't get a job at Walmart? Is that where you, you see I mean, him? I mean, let, let's go put him in the stockades in the middle of town. Let's put a scarlet letter on him. Remember when we all read that book and said that was fucked up? Yeah. It's just like, I just don't know where the line is with any of this anymore, you know? So, anyway. There Maybe you a go. public flogging. Yeah, yeah, with but, his penis out. I was going to say, by flogging, he he jerks off <laughs> on a group of people. There you go, <laughs> from a high building. Joe DeRosa, thanks so much, man. It was a real pleasure to meet you and to talk to you. Um, I feel like we'll do another one of these because I th- think we just got time. in it. Yeah, well, next time you're back in town, uh, good luck with the move to New York. Thanks, um, if people want to check you out, it's Joe DeRosa Comedy, right? Joe DeRosa Comedy on Twitter and Instagram. Joe DeRosa Comedian on Facebook. Uh, and then... 
And you've got uh, numerous, you have numerous specials. I'm going to put it out very soon. In fact, it might even go up this afternoon. All right. So oh, I'm sorry, tomorrow morning it'll go up. I'll be at the Come and Take It Fest in Houston next week. I love the title. Yeah, it's great. Uh, at the Secret Louis Group. Louis headlining that, right? <laughs> yeah, no. No, that's the Come and Look At It Fest. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the, uh, no, the, uh, and that, that's in Houston next week. Uh, and then I'm, uh, oh, my new album. That's what I got to plug. Yep. Uh, I go to Atlanta all the time, which I had released exclusively to Sirius XM. Is uh, I'm fine after a year and a half of it only playing there. I'm releasing it finally. Awesome. Uh, so it comes out um, in November on uh, and and you can pre-order it now iTunes and Amazon. But that's it. It's just pre-order purchase. It's not hitting the. It's not going to stream. Yeah, buy it. Support yeah. comedy. Yeah. Listen to this brilliant man make you laugh for <laughs> an hour and a half or whatever it is, an hour. Yeah. And uh, make sure you check him out, Joe DeRosa Comedy or Joe DeRosa Comedian on Facebook. Thank you, man. We'll have you back Thanks, on again. Uh, let me play my little outro music. No, that's all right. You can, you can oh. get out. You can get out. You can do what you want. Take it, guys. I'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.